All right, well, welcome everybody. Uh, thanks for joining us tonight. This is my first night, Wednesday night back from India. So it's good to be back. Uh, James and I went together. Um, and James discovered a lot of things about James. He's very easy to travel with. And he's got a lot of tattoos I didn't know he had. <laughs> so, uh, so, you know. Well, we stayed in the same room together, so we had lots of quality time. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> but um, it was we we showed up as apostles there. It was very apostolic, and it was very um, that was very aggressive, very bold. We were there to straighten things out, and one of the things I told them over and over is that I'm I have a church, but I'm not here representing my church. I'm here representing the kingdom of God and Jesus Christ, and I'm not here to play games. That's what I would tell them. And um, and so, in fact, one night, uh, the very last night, somebody, uh, one of the pastors, because we had several, I don't even know how many, because uh, I have no idea how many pastors came to this conference, but there were m multiple, um, many. And uh, <laughs> he brought us some stuff up to our room. And I had spent some time with him, and he went out. He was on my team. We went on outreach in the village, and um, I told him, I said, "Now, when I come back, I expect results." And he kind of got these wide eyes. He said, "Your words are very powerful, <laughs> but they they haven't been used to anybody speaking to them like this." And you know, the, the aggressive part of you know how we. Just the nature of the Holy Spirit, the divine nature, is an aggressive thing against the devil. And we see even when Jesus said he had compassion, that means, and whenever it says, you ever, okay, does anybody, does anybody ever watch the A-Team when they were growing up? <laughs> Me and James. Yes, I did. Me and James, the only ones? Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> okay, so if, so there's this guy. His name is Hannibal. He's kind of like the leader of the A team, and whenever and he had this black pair of gloves, and whenever he took his takes his gloves out, he just kind of casually putting them on, you know, getting them on. But you know, when he puts his gloves on, there's going to be a fight because <laughs> that's the only reason he puts those black gloves on, and. Uh, and anyway, that's kind of that's kind of the way it was over there. Uh, they weren't used to um, they weren't used to this nature, but this nature came to pick a fight. And so when Jesus, this is where I go, where, this is where I was going with this. It, when it says, "And Jesus had compassion," uh, that's that's that scene where that guy is putting on his black gloves because he's getting ready to defeat the works of the devil. He had, says he had compassion. And healed them all, right? And so that is destroying the works of the darkness. And that, that attitude is very aggressive against the enemy. It's not aggressive against people necessarily, because we're we're showing we're showing mercy to people, right? We're showing kindness. Kindness and mercy is setting people free. It's driving out devils. That's what being a servant of Christ is. A servant of men. You can't be a servant of men unless you're a master of the devil. And you are. So, um, 
I don't know how many of you guys have heard any of the testimonies, but I'll share a couple. James, you can share a couple. Share any thoughts you want. Um, we saw, um, we had three nights. We kicked it off with three nights of a conference, uh, which was in the evenings. And during the day, they would just come and pick us up at 10 o'clock and drag us all over creation. And we would go pray for people who were, you know, who couldn't make it to the meeting. But um, we would we would teach me i would teach james would teach then we'd pray for the sick for like an hour or so and it was just one after the other one after the other and and we had one side baptism of the holy spirit and then the other side healing the healing line was long and it get longer every single night because more and more people started hearing and coming and the same the same thing that we do here we did there it wasn't any different at all except the people were different uh, there was actually less resistance from people over there as opposed to here. Uh, the, it was in that sense it was easier because they wanted it, and they were hungry for it. And we would we would teach, we would heal all the sick, and then we would be done. And then they would all still be there looking at us. And then they would be like, "Can you teach us some more?" So we'd crank up the teaching all over again and teach again and answer questions. And we did that every single night. But uh, we were just going uh, from one person to the next, healing the sick. And I would just take their hand. I don't, James, I don't know your experience. You can share yours. But uh, the, I would feel the life start at my feet. And it was like, it was just like, I, oh, I feel it right now. <laughs> it, and it was like hot oil. And it would just go, it would fill through me and go out my hand into the person Bam, healed, and next, 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 and we just healed person after person like that. A lot of it was, a lot of the stuff I uh, saw healed was <clears throat> chronic things like uh, a pain that was crippling, like a problem with backs or a problem with knees, uh, or just weird pain or things that, you know, were, were keeping people from going about daily life. Um I prayed for a man. I prayed for several people with eye issues. I remember this one guy in particular. He said, yeah, I've got a very weak right eye. So it wasn't technically completely blind. Uh, but he couldn't read with it or do anything with it. So <laughs> it's pretty blind, I guess. And did the same thing to him. Commanded that thing to leave and him be healed head to toe. And got out his phone and began reading with it instantly. There was another guy I prayed for who, uh, through an accident or something, had a really bad back injury, and he could it prevented him from sitting in a chair properly. Um, he could sit because he was there sitting, but it was it was very uncomfortable. It uh, caused him a lot of pain, and uh, it was just uh, let somebody else in here, and it was really uh, is very chronic thing okay so he had to sit in a chair a certain way and is, is just always in this chronic pain and uh, I just took his hand the same way and commanded that thing to leave be healed head to toe life went in him and I and as I'm praying I'm going I just reached over and grabbed one of their chairs and drug it over I said sit down and he sat in that he sat in the chair he says and he was healed by the time he sat in the chair he says no pain he sat up strong and then I was like, all right, good. And, and I'm just like pushing them off because the line is long and they keep coming. And he's trying to talk to me as he's 
getting, I'm getting him out of the way. And uh, he's like, no, wait. While you were praying for me, I felt fizz come out of my spine. <laughs> so uh, that, that was fun. I, you know, that sounds demonic to me. But whatever it was, we drove it out. Uh, uh, we also saw a little boy who was about eight, I think, who was born deaf. His both ears completely opened. Um, they brought him back to me the second night to pray for him to speak. And I was like, uh, he could make sounds. So I'm like, listen, he has never heard speech before. You need to teach him to talk. So I got one of, uh, uh, Amit's guys, James, and had him sit down in the front row with him and work with him. And I never heard anything else. I don't know if you did, but, um, I was like, you know, help him say one syllable words and get this stuff going. But, um, and then we went out into the village uh, area, and out there in this area, there was Hindus and all kinds of lost people. And I don't know, I don't know if we actually met any Christians. Did you guys meet any Christians out there, James? No, we did not. They were all Catholic and Hindu, and there's only in in the state of Goa in India, which is a large state. There's only like they say one to two percent of Christians. Uh, the rest is Roman Catholic. So, uh, which is uh, an altogether different thing. They, they worship and serve a different Jesus, not the Jesus of the Bible. Um, I got stories, we got stories told us that would make your skin crawl and make you spitting mad about the Pope and that whole dang mess. Demonic, demonic, demonic. So, um, we went out into the village and we went door to door because we're going to teach them. One of the things that we were continually telling them is like all the fruit that's happened here, you will lose it. Unless you begin to go out, and we taught real strongly about the purpose of the church is to remove the influence of the kingdom of darkness. And uh, we're very, very strong in that. And uh, so we then we taught them how we do it. And we took them out, and we went door to door in this village. And uh, we had some people there with us from from the conference. And so we split up in teams, and, and uh, everyone we touched out there was instantly healed. Hindus, Catholics, didn't matter. In fact, I uh, was ministering to a Hindu family, and I don't know if the mom or dad spoke English. The son did. He was getting ready to go to college. And the son had never, get this, he had never heard the name of Jesus. Isn't that crazy? In this modern day, I mean, he's got a smartphone in his pocket, and he has never heard the name of Jesus. And they have... Over there, they have like three main gods and then 300 gods under them. And then the total gods that they kind of worship is around 3,000. And so right away, he's got to know there's one more God you haven't heard of. And he is the most high over all of your gods. And so, which they received. They were like, thank you. They, you know, they were doing this. You know, thank you for, <laughs> we prayed for him and everything. So... Um, so that was really good. James, you got anything you want to share? Um, it was amazing. It was life-changing for me. Uh, like you said, so many people healed, you know, all kinds of physical pain, vision issues, um, got a demon to manifest, get kicked it out. That was fun. Um, all kinds of people wanting the Holy Spirit. That was, that was a big one. I loved that. They had been you know, what they called saved before, but they had never received the Holy Spirit. And they wanted that. 
And that, so that was, you know, like, hell right, here we go, you know. They, they're serious. They want this. And that was, it was enjoyable to see the people set free and receiving something that they dearly wanted. You know, they wanted it from the heart. Okay, it wasn't just a mind thing. They truly wanted it, you know. And you could tell, you know, they wanted to walk it out. You know, they want to do the Bible. They want to see their city set free because their city is in extreme bondage <laughs> of all kinds. Yes, our you know the, our country has the same issues too, but different. <laughs> you know what I mean? And these people were truly desperate for the truth. You know, so that that was exciting to see somebody grasp it and take it. Yeah. And want to do the truth. Yeah. You know, to me. But so many people set free. I mean, my goodness. I mean, I got a phone call from one of them today. I talked to him for a little bit. He was just saying, hey. <laughs> you know? Because <laughs> he was one of the younger guys I ministered to. He's doing great. He's wondering how we were doing. So <laughs> he's like, I'm going to keep praying for you. He's like, good deal. I'll keep praying for you. <laughs> you know? But <clears throat> to, to see what we are capable of doing, you know, for me to see that, it was just, oh my gosh, life-altering, you know, this is what we can do, just imagine how much more we can do, you know, which is what we are called to do, all of us, so, yeah. I'm anxious to get that going here, <laughs> in our country. You know, not just there, but our country. Get it going full speed, just as hard as we can go. And keep the gates of hell open and destroy it. So, yeah. <laughs> um, we had a, a couple sit down with James and I, like the day before we left or something like that. And they are actually kind of like missionaries in India. They're they're Indians, but they're they travel all around the nation and uh and they they've got a pulse on stuff and they go they just go and strengthen churches and they're kind of itinerant like people and they spend a few months or so maybe even up to a year or two in, in one place at a time and they came and sat down with us and word had gotten out that we were there word had gotten out about what we're teaching and preaching the results the message which was a brand new message for almost every single person right uh, this message of the kingdom, um, the gospel of the kingdom. And they sat down with us and they were literally begging James and I to postpone our flight back because uh, of the need in other places, uh, of, of the breakthroughs that are needed that the church ha is, has been incapable of uh, breaking through in there was a pastor for example on we were on the east side the east coast there's a pastor on the west coast who was having a conference the next weekend was which was this past weekend and uh he was willing to completely change the entire conference and pay for our tickets and everything just to fly there and and do there what we did in goa and of course we we couldn't we had to come home, but the need is really great. In fact, they were telling us uh, that the, that in India, uh, 
ritualistic human sacrifice is still happening. In fact, parents are sacrificing their children's to gods, their children to gods, and this form of sacrifice is especially ugly because they behead the children and offer the heads to their gods. And you know, that's a that's happening right now. That is current day. That's not some story from, you know, few hundred years ago that's right now it's happening on the planet and the biggest uh, which was came as a bit of a surprise to me having all these fancy gods and human sacrifices the biggest principality there is the Roman Catholic Church uh, they have deceived that thing has deceived so many people uh, and that is the that is the stronghold at, at, for sure over Goa uh, over much of India as well. In fact, I, I shared this on the Saturday 1.30 stream, or the Sunday 1.30 stream, that uh, Roman Catholicism has influenced the entire church worldwide, uh, you know, even America. America is highly influenced by the Catholic Church, um, <clears throat> more than you know, more than you know. <clears throat> so, so many obstacles uh, to be overcome there in India still. Um, and we'll be, I'm sure we'll be going back and going back for uh, a little bit longer stay than just a, just a few days. We're there about eight days. But, uh, but anyway, the, the goal is to, to uh, get, like James said, get that going here. In fact, uh, James Amit, Pastor Amit over there has already planted a house church and has two or three more that are getting ready to come online as a result of what we did. So... So anyway, so he's rocking and rolling. Um, tonight, <clears throat> tonight I want to talk about uh, perseverance. I want to talk about a few things around perseverance uh, because not you know we've talked about and explained at length the gospel of the kingdom, and we've explained uh, and tried to explain simply. Uh, the plan and will of God, the purpose of Christ in the earth. Um, and just to summarize extremely quickly before we go into perseverance, uh, unless your reality is centered around the fact that God lives in you by His Spirit, you're, you're going to be on a different road of Christianity than the right one. Okay? If your God is sitting out there on a throne somewhere and you're continually trying to get to Him and you're continually trying to get Him to come down, uh, then you, you're you on the wrong lane. This is not the path that's been laid out to us. Can God split the sky and do anything He wants? Absolutely. And, and that is part of what we are looking to is for the second return of Jesus. But you have to understand that before... The, the world was created. God created a plan. And this plan took into account the fall of man. And in this plan, His Son, God Himself, would come as a man. This is what the Bible calls a new man. This is what the Bible calls a new creation. Uh, is literally a new race of humanity. And from this new man, God would... Uh, cause all things in earth to be brought under the order of heaven. 
That order is called the kingdom, and of course, in Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, it prophesies of the Messiah saying, of this new man saying, Unto us a child is born, a son is given, and he, uh, he comes with a government of God on his shoulder. The word government in Hebrew right there means kingdom. Okay, So Jesus did not come for the sake of you going to heaven. He came for the sake of the will of God being done in the earth until the complete order of earth is brought under His Lordship. It says in Ephesians that God made Jesus Christ head over all things for the church. Why would He make Jesus head of all, of all things uh why would God make Jesus head over all things for the church? So that through the church, Christ would reign for eternity in the earthly realm. And also at the very end of that verse in Isaiah 9, verse 8, 9, 10, it says that of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And since that kingdom is coming on the earth, this is about the earth, There, we could therefore say there will be no uh, there will be always an increasing of the kingdom of God and the peace of God in the earth. It's never going to stop. Never going to stop growing in strength and glory and power. It's just going to continue to grow and build and become stronger. And we in the church is the, is the body or the group that God is going to use to bring this order uh, Daniel, the prophet Daniel, prophesies about this. He writes about it in Daniel 2.44. And he says that this kingdom is destined to break apart all kingdoms and consume all nations. Paul echoes this by saying that this world and everything in it is already in the process of passing away. Jesus alludes to all these things also when he says to his disciples as he sends them out, uh, to heal and to liberate people from demons. He says, tell them, the kingdom of God is at hand. Okay? So this is all about the kingdom. This is all about Jesus being made head of, the all, of all things so that the kingdom, which is the reign of God, the kingdom is not a place, it is a rule. This is all about the kingdom of God, the rule of God, coming on the earth in a way that completely removes the influence of the enemy. Could you imagine your life with the influence of the enemy completely removed? Completely removed from your mind? Completely removed from your emotions? Completely removed from your body? Completely removed from your family? Somebody needs to say a big amen right there. <laughs> the, the influence of the enemy completely removed from your city, right? From your region from your state, from your nation. And that's where this is going. And that is the job of the church. And that is why we have been predestined to be made into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is the example of a mature son whom God has pre-planned or predestined for good works. For the same works as Jesus Christ. And even greater, Jesus said. So we have been recreated when we were translated by being born again out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son, we were recreated in His likeness, in our spirit. Beforehand, before you were saved, you were sin. Your spirit inherited sin 
from all the way back from Adam. Now uh, that you are born again, your spirit has been recreated. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. That word new is literally a new kind or a new, uh, the first of a founding order of species. Is what that means in the Greek. So we are, are not only just forgiven of our sin, we are made completely new unto the likeness of Jesus Christ, recreated in His image, no sin. And this is the reason why. This is, uh, this is a verse that everybody needs to write down and go back to often. And get this in your mind. Get this renewed in your mind. This is Galatians 3, 13 and 14. This sums up why Jesus did everything He did concerning His atonement, concerning His sacrifice, the price He paid for sin. It says that Christ became a curse for us because cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That through the blessing of Abraham, we might receive the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, by faith. What's that saying? Jesus hung on a cross so that you could receive the Holy Spirit. Okay? And you see now why the enemy is so opposed to all things of the Spirit, to the gifts of the Spirit, to the power of the Spirit, uh, to the workings and operation of the Spirit, to speaking in tongues. The enemy opposes all of these things vehemently in the church and uses men's mouths, preachers' mouths, teachers' mouths, uses these people to oppose it. <laughs> he uses the pulpit of churches to oppose God the Spirit. And this is why, because Jesus has made us just like Him, sinless and indwelt by the Spirit. That's all Jesus was. He was a man who was sinless and indwelt by God the Spirit, and He, he made His will God's will. He made God's will His will. And we are... Uh, called to that. That is our call. And a, and a mature son is how this kingdom is going to overtake and consume all nations. So, of course, tonight as I teach on perseverance, talk about perseverance, and we all kind of think about these things together, uh, it is unto, the goal is unto you reaching the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, which is the job, according to Ephesians 4, 11, 12, 13, and 14, which is the job of the apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, and evangelist to cause you to come into maturity until we all arise unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That is the, the glorious church, the spotless bride without blemish and wrinkle. That is who that is. Uh, uh, a body that's equal to the head, equal in holiness, equal in ability, equal in authority. So, that's the goal tonight. As always, uh, perseverance. Let's talk about it real quick. First of all, first of all, I'm going to take a drink. Alright, first of all, we have to understand that there's no such thing as a quick fix in Christianity. Lots of people make lots of money selling you books about quick fixes. <laughs> So, we have to understand there's no quick fix in Christianity. What does that mean? Following Jesus is about daily discipline in spiritual things that cause you to mature. Following Jesus is about daily discipline in spiritual things. Okay? 
So usually the people that mature the quickest and people that get the strongest and get the most results are the ones who are able to be disciplined in daily basic things, okay? So God's goal for you, let me say it like this. The daily discipline of spiritual things is what's going to cause you to mature. What is maturity? Maturity is a renewed mind. What is a renewed mind? That means there's no resistance in you to God, which allows you to do everything the Bible says you can do. Jesus had the mind of Christ. That's no mystery there. That's, no, that's not rocket science. But we also have been given the mind of Christ. But Paul instructs this uh, several times. Uh, as we read in the New Testament, that someone whose mind is not set on the Spirit or whose mind has not been renewed to the mindset of Jesus Christ opposes God. And so, so, so many people live like this where they have been given the mind of Christ, yet they have a mindset on uh, sensual things, carnal things. things that, what, what I mean by sensual is things that they see, things that they hear, things that they can sense and feel and this opposes the mind of Christ in you and if you are having a war and opposition with God on the inside of you like this you can pretty much guarantee that you're going to be limited in your effectiveness when you go out to do uh, whatever you do for Jesus heal the sick or whatever you know you've got a block in you and that block is that wrestle so how do we get over that wrestle daily discipline and spiritual things what kind of spiritual things? Meditating the Word of God. Praying in the Spirit. Communion with the Spirit. Okay? Um, I would add to that, those are the three big ones, but I would add to it this. The denial of the fear of man. <laughs> and of course, the denial of self. Which, uh, I mean, we'll get into that a little bit tonight. There's so much to cover here, there's no way. I'm, I'm diving into like a three-day seminar in uh, a half an hour, so... But we'll see. We'll see where we get here. Okay. Um, this is good. You will never reach a place where you do not have to persevere in the basics. Okay. What what made what causes us to go door to door and heal the sick is the same thing that caused us to go have a big conference in India and heal the sick and go into their villages and heal the sick. Daily discipline and spiritual things. You know, James and I had this humble little room in in India. We pulled up to it at like 2 in the morning or something. And it's just trash everywhere. And then you have this really nice set of double doors that go into this hotel. <laughs> I was like, this place is in the middle of the dump. Well, I, I mean, I think it, India is just the dump. And you have this nice little hotel there. And, uh, you know, they have a very nice restaurant there. And they have uh, continental breakfast, which is actual food, not just cereal. And uh, every day, you know, James and I, we only ate breakfast twice. Um, and we'd go and we'd sit in that room and we would let the Bible play and we would pray in the Spirit for hours every morning until they would come and get us. And we would pray in the Spirit and commune with the Spirit and talk about the Word of God, and, and just 
spend time in the daily discipline of spiritual things. And anyone can do this. And when people cease to do this is when they cease to grow and when they cease to be effective. Okay? So, there was no, like, no open visions. No angels came. Actually, there were people that saw angels. Tons of angels. <laughs> I didn't have, actually see angels. But there was no, um, there was no, you know, there was nothing out of the ordinary except us being disciplined in spiritual things. So, there, there's never going to come a place where you do not have to persevere in the daily discipline of spiritual things. No matter how successful you get, no matter how mature you get, how you, how you, how you continue to mature is in the daily discipline of spiritual things. All right? The basics are what win. So, if we're going to talk about persevering, like a lot of people, they're like, oh, I'm, I'm just hanging on. I'm just persevering in the Lord. You know, they're not persevering. They are, they are suffering and they're getting squashed, right? They're, they're, they're exerting no daily discipline. So, if we're going to say we're persevering or we're going to expect uh, our perseverance to bear, bear fruit, it has to be in the right thing, right? Um, persevering in the basics is how God partners with you. This is big. Persevering in the basics is how God partners with you to establish you and mature you. Okay? If you're struggling with cycles, you're struggling with, you know, you do good for a while and then you just crash and burn. Um, you, you have uh, these repeating cycles in your life where the same sin comes back around and and just messes things up ever, ever so often. How do you get over this? This is how you have to persevere in the basics. This is how God establishes you. You persevere in praying in tongues. You persevere in the in the consumption of the Word of God, okay? And when I say that, I mean, I'm talking about the new covenant reality of who you have been made. I'm talking about the purpose that you've been made for. I'm talking about who Jesus has made you, who Jesus Christ is, and the reality of the uh, what Paul calls the mystery of the ages, which is God the Spirit that indwells you. Figure out how to commune with this Spirit that's in you. Figure out how to get your mind still. Figure out how to uh, get a, a, a disciplined mind where you can cause your mind to focus on anything you want to whenever you want to. Okay, This is what's going to, to empower you to overcome all things. You can, you can get in a prayer line and get hands laid on you by the, the biggest and the best. Okay? And you will receive blessing. You know, you'll receive a filling of the Spirit. But if you want to become strong and stable and overcome all things, you have to be disciplined in the daily uh, discipline of spiritual things. Okay? So, let me start out here with a, a definition of perseverance. This is just... I took this from like Merriam-Webster, okay? And when I, when I first saw this definition, I was like, dang, that is so good. I did not expect that. Here's what it says. Perseverance is persistence in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. I'll read it again. 
persistence is uh, perseverance is persistence in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. And this is why most people quit. It's because it's difficult and their success is delayed. <laughs> is that not true? Is that not true? But perseverance is single-mindedness. Right? We all know these people who break world records, who climb mountains, who run marathons. Uh, how many marathons has David Hogan ran in the last six years? I've lost count. He's 70 years old. In the last five or six years, he's ran, oh, 50. 50 marathons in the last five or six years. Now, he talks about perseverance because it's boring. Training is boring after the initial excitement of going through your first marathon. Can you imagine going through 50? You know, about 10 a year? That's that's some boring, monotonous stuff. It's training. But it shows you at 70 years old how strong of a mind he has. And he's gotten that strong mind by renewing his mind to the Word of God, by getting a directed mind, by getting a focused mind, okay? Perseverance is single-mindedness. It is the ability to focus on the accomplishment of something despite difficulty and delay in achieving success. No matter what things you're going through, no matter what, whatever is standing in front of you and slapping you in the face, no matter what your emotions feel, your soul feels, what your body feels, the, reason, the way to overcome it is to look past all of those things and fix your eye on the goal. Fix your eye on the goal of uh, you know, maturity in Jesus Christ. See, if you, this is what happens in healing sometimes. Uh, most people we touch are instantly healed. Okay. Sometimes they're not, and we enter into a battle. And especially where a case where there's a lot of suffering, uh, you could get tempted and just by accident start focusing on the suffering. You start focusing, let's say it's cancer. You start focusing on cancer. You start focusing on suffering. You start focusing on the problems. You start focusing on uh, their dilemma. You start focusing on uh, how bad it is. And you start focusing and, and your mindset slowly begins to shift until you are no longer uh, persevering in spiritual things. And your mindset has shifted from a mindset on the spirit to a mindset on the situation. <laughs> okay? You're going to lose in that situation. You know, whenever you start to get overwhelmed is when, listen, your soul should be at complete peace at all times. And whenever your soul experiences anything uh, that comes against that peace, like being overwhelmed or anything related to that, it's because your mindset has shifted. Mark my words. This is true about somebody watching. Your mindset has shifted. And it's a clue to get your mindset back on track. All right, a mindset on the spirit is life and peace, right? A mindset on the flesh is death. Anything that's not life and peace is death, all right? Um, this is the Greek definition of perseverance. This is Greek word 5278. 
It, it this is great. <laughs> this is so good. Ugh. In the Greek, the word perseverance means to remain or stay behind when others have departed. <laughs> to remain or stay behind when others have departed. To bear up under, endure, suffer patiently, to continue firmly, hold out, and to remain constant. To remain constant. This is how you win. You've got to remain constant. But you're not going to. Re- you have to remain constant in the right things. You have to remain constant in the daily discipline of spiritual things. All right. Perseverance is what results when you make a decision to continue in God's purpose for you. Right. What is God's purpose for you? To come into the complete version of who He has made you, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Some some people like this is people this is people listening here I'm sure your your eyes can only see the bigness of the problem your eyes can only see the bigness of the insurmountableness of the problem okay that is a mindset on the flesh that is a mindset on something other than the spirit a mindset on the spirit uh, can see through anything this is people who have obnoxious faith. This is people who go through the worst things and they're like, how did you ever make it? Well, God was with me. You know, you hear that statement. They kept their mindset on the Spirit. You know, this is how Paul put it in one place. He said, set your mind on things above. Right? That doesn't mean like, uh, that, that's not like pretending that what you're going through doesn't hurt and so you think about dying and going to heaven. <laughs> set your mind on things above. Well, because I have family members like that. Oh my gosh! And they're they're older family members. I, I don't. I talk to them about once every ten years, um, and they're like, "Well, I just can't wait till I get home." Well, what do you mean, get home? Get home to heaven, right? Uh, so that's not a mindset on the spirit. That's fatalism. <laughs> that's a that's horrible. A mindset on the spirit is um, a mindset that knows no impossibility. Right? Because you have been given the Spirit of God. And nothing is impossible with that Spirit. Alright? Um, let me read First Peter 5, 8-10. And I'll try to kind of bring it to a close here. There's so many. I feel like I'm just in the intro. First Peter 5, 8-10. This is what Peter writes. He says, Be sober and watchful. Okay? This is a command. This is a command, American Christians. Be sober and watchful. Because your adversary, the devil, walks around as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Here's another command. Resist him firmly. Firmly. How do you resist the devil? Firmly. In the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. But after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called us to His eternal glory through Christ Jesus will restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. What will He do? Restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. Like this would be a great verse to meditate on, right? Instead of just getting plowed over by the enemy in your mind, 
get this, get, get some firm resistance in your mindset and get some understanding that even though you may have suffered some in this, that God, the God of all grace, will restore, support, strengthen, and establish you in it. Okay? So, this, is, this kind of brings up the topic of tests and trials. You have to understand that tests and trials do not come from God. Religion has taught you that they do. That's mostly uh, Roman Catholicism there. They have taught you that trials come from God. They do not come from God. Trials do not come from God. God didn't send His Son to bring you a trial. God sent you His Son so that you could co- overcome all trials. <laughs> Alright? He gave you, He made you an inheritor of Himself so that you could overcome all things. And that's what Jesus did. What are tests and trials then? Here's what they are. Tests and trials come from the enemy to stop you from persevering. If you are experiencing a test, you're experiencing a trial that has one goal, to stop you in your perseverance. Okay? God's only goal, so if God's not, if God's not going to test us and try us, what is He going to do? His only goal for you is to support, strengthen, and establish you by His Spirit and His Word until you reach a completed state, a mature man, standing in the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I want to read this verse in the Wiest translation. That's that literal Greek translation by Kenneth Wiest that I read sometimes. Um, it's really good. If you don't have it, you should pick up one somewhere. You can get them on Amazon, I think. This is what Peter says in the literal Greek. Stand immovable against his onset. Alright? So, in the modern English version, be sober and watchful because your adversary the devil. Okay? This is what Pete, it says in the original Greek. Stand immovable against his onset. This is the word of God to you. This is the command of Jesus Christ to you through Peter. Stand immovable. Stand immovable. I'm not sure what to do. Stand immovable against his onset. Solid as a rock. Solid as a rock in your faith. Knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being accomplished in your brotherhood, which is in the world. But... The God of every grace, the one who summoned you in Christ with a view to His eternal glory, after you've suffered for a little while, this is a good part here, shall Himself make you complete, shall establish you firmly, shall strengthen you, shall ground you on a foundation. What are these promises? Who are these promises to? These promises are to people who stand immovable against the onset of the enemy. These promises are to people who persevere, who do not give up, who are disciplined in daily uh, spiritual things. Okay? Now, the opposite of this, if you do not stand immovable, is that the adversary is going to continually come against your mind and body. Some of you know what that feels like. (laughs) To let the adversary continually come against your mind and body. And your family. Listen, if that's happening, 
and you don't resist him, that's not perseverance. To just bear up under it and continue to let him walk over you over and over and over with no resistance, that is not perseverance. And that's not going to get you to the promise. Okay? You're just, you're just, you got a new name. It's Doormat. Matt. Sorry, Matthew. <laughs> I didn't plan that. <laughs> um, let me say, let me, uh, let me kind of book in this a little bit here. <clears throat> Romans 8, 14, and, and the whole Romans 8 talks about primarily one thing. So I want to try to give a little practical piece to the perseverance. It talks about a spirit life versus a carnal life. And it makes this very popular statement here, this very popular verse in Romans 8.14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And so, <clears throat> somewhere along the line, Charismania or some group picked this up, and they began to pass along this idea and this teaching that the most spiritual people are the ones that hear God's voice all the time to do everything. You know, I, I don't brush my teeth until I have the leading of the Spirit. I know when to brush my teeth because the Lord instructs me Himself. Therefore, I am more holy and more mature than you. All right? Uh, this, this is... You know, we see this a lot with parking spaces. The Holy Spirit led me to my parking space. <laughs> okay? Now, can God speak to us specifically about anything at any time? You better believe He can. Uh, we have many instances of this happening in the, New in the New Testament. But that's not what this verse is about. Okay? Right. So, being led by the Spirit is not, as, as it has been taught in the body of Christ, is incorrect. Um, I'm not going to teach on being led on the Spirit, uh, being led of the Spirit. I think, I can't remember if we've talked about that yet here or not, but we talk about it extensively in our training cycle. But what I am going to talk about for just a second here is this word led. What does it mean here in this uh, context, Romans 8.14? Well, <clears throat> in the beginnings of Romans 8, uh, Paul is, uh, let me just read the very beginning says, the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus. That's verse 2. From the law of sin, of, sin and death. Um, For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. Okay? Uh, verse 6. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. I quoted this verse earlier. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mindset on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God. All right, uh, those who are on the flesh cannot please God, and it goes on and talks about uh, if you live according to the flesh, you will die, but if you live by the Spirit and put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. If you live according to the flesh, you will die, but if you live by the Spirit, you put to death. Uh, the deeds of the body, you will live. So what is this spirit living? What is this spirit life Paul's talking about? That's verse 13. In verse 14, he says, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. What does it mean to be led by the Spirit? It means that you, by the Spirit, put to death the deeds of the body. 
Okay? That's what that means to be led by the Spirit. Now, this word led does not mean like um, I just, you know, hear a voice and, and go do it. This word led is ago in the Greek. And it means, uh, I'll just read the words here. This is straight out of Strong's. It means uh, to, to lead, to bring, drive, go, induce, bring forth, carry, go, keep, lead away, and be open. So this is a much more, this is a much stronger definition than, you know, someone who's just following a path of someone else. This is, this is being, um, this is being driven. It's being induced. It's being caused to be brought forth. This, in fact, is the same word in the Greek when it says that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Uh, it's a different tense because it says He was led, and this is a, um, a different tense here, but the same word. And it literally means that Jesus was driven into the desert by the Spirit. Okay, And this word, th this is a very interesting thing to meditate on and think about because... Uh, if those who are led by the Spirit are those who are being induced by the Spirit, who are being inwardly driven by the Spirit, or we could even say this, being influenced by the Spirit. And this is the same, this is the same phenomenon or the same picture that we see with people who are demonized. Okay, They are being influenced by a Spirit, only it's not the Holy Spirit. It's an evil Spirit. And uh, I think, I don't remember which version it is, maybe the King James that talks about being demon-possessed. But in the, in the Greek, it doesn't say possessed. It's just, it literally is demonized. So anyone who is influenced by an evil spirit, whether it be a little bit or a lot, like, you, you know, whether it's uh, I'm demonized and I have got a bad attitude and I'm mad, okay, that could be demonized or depression or uh, whatever. That's demonized. But so is an axe murderer. <laughs> but they are on a whole different level of being demonized. Okay? They, they are at a place of being demonized where they cannot be set free. They are completely captivated and they have become that thing. So if we're talking about, um, if we're talking about perseverance, this is more than just the exercise of our will. This is talking about a life that through the daily discipline of spiritual things begins to have a heart and a mindset that is influenced by the Spirit only. Okay? And you're like, how do I know when that happens? Trust me, when you go far enough in this discipline, you will know it. Because <laughs> crap will fall off of you. And crap will try to come at you and bounce right off of you. Alright? So to be influenced, uh, uh, I, I wrote this down out of the another Merriam-Webster dictionary. This is the definition of influence. So we're talking about being driven uh, by the Spirit, which is led. We're being driven. We're being induced. We're being brought forth by the Spirit. It is the power or capacity of causing an effect... In indirect or intangible ways. Okay? That is how the Spirit lives in you. The Spirit does not make you do anything. But the Spirit influences you and causes an effect to occur in you. Okay? This is why Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you must crucify yourself. 
and pick up your cross. Crucify yourself because yourself is at war with the influence of the Spirit. All right? If you want to, uh, if you want, if you are someone who is struggling with breakthrough in certain areas or struggling being consistent, maybe you shine for a few weeks at a time or six months at a time and then you crash and burn. Okay? It's because there's another influence causing the spirit that's in you to lose its ability to sway you, to drive you, to bring you forth. I hope this is making sense. This is what, this is my last scripture here, Galatians 5, 6, and 16 and 17. And I'm going to read this straight out of the weeds. Um, you, should, you should study all these scriptures I'm putting out there. Uh, but I'm, going to, I'm not going to take the time to read it like in the ESV. I'm going to just tell you in the weeds. This is literal Greek, Galatians 5, 16 and 17. This is what he says, Paul writing to the Galatians, But I say, through the instrumentality of the Spirit, habitually order your manner of life. Okay? What's he saying? Through the Spirit, cause your life to come into order through habit. By the Spirit, cause your life to come into order by habit. Let me read it again. The, the, the Greek is not very fluent in English. It sounds funny. So let me say it how it says it again. Through the instrumentality of the Spirit, habitually order your manner of life. Okay? And, so there's a result, and you will in no wise execute the passionate desire of the evil nature. That's how you win. This is how you win. Okay? This is also, if you don't do this, how you lose. Then it goes on to say, For the evil nature constantly has a strong desire to suppress the spirit. How many people have encountered that? <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about? Ever experienced that? The evil nature constantly has a strong desire to suppress the spirit. And the Spirit constantly has a strong desire to suppress the evil nature. And these are entrenched in an attitude of mutual opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you desire to do. Okay? So, what's Paul saying here? He's saying that the Spirit is continually opposing in you the what the this is what the other translations say the desires of the flesh in the greek is literally the evil nature the desire of the evil nature okay uh, other translations say the desires of the flesh or to gratify the desires of the flesh so the spirit is constantly working and has a strong opposition to those desires of the evil nature and the evil nature is constantly in opposition to the desires of the Spirit. Alright? Most, most people are caught in a juggling match between the two. One day you'll see him fulfilling the desires of the evil nature. <laughs> the next day, they somehow got on top of it, fulfilling the desires of the Holy Spirit. Okay? How, how do we become these kind of people, even though these two forces 
are going against each other. Okay? It is in your mind. And it is your in your mindset. It is the daily discipline of spiritual things that will cause your mindset to become uh, to become swayed or influenced to one side or the other. So if your mindset, if your mind is unrenewed and your mindset is always negative, always going to lose, never going to make it, you will be unable to overcome the desires of the evil nature, as it says. But if your mindset is, if your mind is renewed and your mindset is the same mindset of Jesus Christ, where there's no opposition in your mind, you believe like Jesus believes and you behave and conduct yourself in your mind as Jesus does, then you are able to participate in this other side, which is the spirit, which habitually, uh, if you do this right, will habitually order your life. This is discipline. This is daily discipline. This is daily discipline in things of the spirit and daily discipline in the putting away of the desires of the flesh. Paul says this in Ephesians about people before they're born again. He says, they continually go around uh, satisfying every desire of their body and every and following every thought of their mind. That's an unbeliever to Paul. How many Christians have we known that are like that? <laughs> Fulfilling every desire of their body, following every thought of their mind. Now, this is the last verse that's so interesting here. But if you are being led, this is verse 18, Galatians 5, 18. But if you are being led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Here is that word again. Led by the Spirit. It's the same word. Ago. It's the same word. If you are someone who is driven by the Spirit, swayed by the Spirit, influenced by the Spirit, induced by the Spirit, being brought forth by the Spirit, then uh, none of these things uh, can overcome you. None of these things will overwhelm you. And if you stay consistent in it, and if you stay disciplined in it, you will begin to teach yourself some ways. And you'll begin to adopt some ways which are in Christ. And this is what Paul did everywhere he went. He said, I'm sending you Timothy. And he will remind you of all my ways which are in Christ. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Why would he say that? Then that sound like, that's like illegal in modern Christianity. Oh no, we follow Jesus. We don't follow Paul. Listen, why would Paul say that? Because he had discovered some secrets to maturing and to the measure of the stature of Jesus Christ. And these ways which he had adopted in his life, he called my ways which are in Christ. And this is what you need to develop. You need to develop ways that are in Christ. What are ways that are in Christ? This is daily discipline in spiritual things. And this is something that anyone can do. We're not talking about fasting for 40 days. We're not talking... I mean, fasting is a, day, is a discipline, okay? But I'm, I'm saying you don't need some uh, rock of Gibraltar moment. You don't need some angel encounter. You don't need the biggest and the best to lay hands on you. You need to be disciplined in spiritual things. And as you're disciplined in consuming the Word, meditating on the Word, which also includes ignoring trash, right? But And praying in the Spirit. Spending time communing with the Spirit. Don't let your mind... Remember the example about your mindset getting on the problem. Don't let your mind get on the problem. Let your soul tell you when things are off in your mind. If you're getting overwhelmed, 
You lost peace. You're starting to suffer in your soul. Understand, up, oh, my mindset has shifted. Let's get that back. If you begin to, to exercise yourself in this and continue every day in it, you will grow strong. And the promise is again, and I'll read it. He shall himself make you complete, shall establish you firmly, shall strengthen you and ground you as on a foundation.